Hey guys, welcome back to the Church Hurts Podcast. My name is Josh McLemore, and this week our guest is Mark Ostriker, or Marco, as you may know him, uh, of Youth Cartel uh, fame, and um, been in youth ministry and been doing youth ministry stuff for just a ton of time, and was super excited to have him come on the show. Um, something you'll hear in the episode, I think, is that I uh, he was one of the early pitches of the show when I first started to think about what it might look like. He was one of the early uh, folks that was like, I'm going to be on it. And uh, we finally have been able to to work that out. And I just want to thank him on the front end for coming. This conversation is so good, so practical. Um, maybe a little bit of a different episode than, uh, than we've done before, but I think it's going to be so, so, so useful um, for those of us that are in ministry, um, that work in ministry, that have been... Uh, in situations where they found themselves butting up against the places that they work. And really, Marco attributes that to two main things. Um, and that's what we're, we're going to talk about in this episode. But basically, misaligned values uh, between a church and a staff member and un, uh, unspoken expectations um, that are not being met. Uh, and again, from the point of view of from the staff or from the, the church um, if you're not a church worker, I still totally recommend that you listen to this episode. One of the things that we try to do here is really pull back the curtain on what um, maybe someone that works at your church might be dealing with or going through. Um, you know, those of us that are in the in the church world um, know that it's not all rosy and always awesome. Um, but a lot of times people that don't are not in that world, don't know that. So that's part of what this show is about. And so I, ho- I hope that you'll, you'll take a listen to this episode too. Uh, and you'll hear some of that, um, just because it's important. It's important to understand that while the church can be great, um, the church can also have a lot of bumps in the road, especially for those of us that work, uh, for it. So anyway, it's a really great episode. Marco was a, a treat, a treat to have, and uh, I hope you guys are really going to enjoy it. And without further ado, let's get into the Church Hurts podcast. man why don't you go ahead and tell everybody uh who you are okay well i'm marco uh mark o striker somewhere uh, i think my senior year of high school my friend group had three marks in it and one got called by his last name and one somehow got mark and i got mark o um and it stuck so all these years later it's sort of easier than um, using my last name, which is a long and complicated name. Um, yeah. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. Uh, so I've, uh, been in youth ministry for, it's coming close to 40 years. I think it's, uh, 38 years right now, wow. something like that. I mean, it's, you know, my entire adult life since I graduated from high school. Um, and, for a long, well, or in the earliest days, that was as a volunteer. And then uh, for mm-hmm. a number of years, I was a junior high pastor and sometimes also another role on top of that uh, mm-hmm. in four different churches across the U.S. Uh, and then in 98, I went to youth specialties and moved to San Diego. 
um, and spent 11 years there. Uh, and then 10 years ago, oh gosh, almost 11 years ago now, I started the youth cartel. And so that's still uh, my thing. So my yeah. day job, you could say, is leading the youth cartel. And, uh, and for these last 21 years that I've been in San Diego, I've also been a volunteer in the junior high ministry at my church. So I'm a junior high guy, small group leader, um, and find that that uh, kind of grounding with real teenagers is really, really critical for me and my ongoing practice of leading and coaching youth workers, you know? So yeah, yeah. me. I got a, a wife of... We always... We both always forget how many years it's been. I think it's something it's something like thirty three or thirty two years, something like that. We have a twenty six and a twenty two year old kid who are both out of the house. So Wow. Yeah. Wow. Maybe that's more than you asked for. No, no, it's fine. It's fine, man. That's that's awesome. Um I, I love getting all that info. Um so I, I don't know, we, we've met a couple of times off, off in different places. Um, so I'm a youth pastor and uh, at the church that I'm at currently, when I first got here, um, we were using like a lot of youth cartel stuff. Um, uh, that's, that's one of the things that we did when I first got here um, curriculum wise was we used a lot of your guys' stuff. And because um, I, I, a friend of mine, I think a mutual friend of ours actually had introduced me to youth cartel at one point. And, um, so I didn't even know, like until later that you were connected to that. Then we met through some, uh, stuff you can use stuff. And then I was like, Oh, that's the same guy. So it was a really, it's a cool connection. Nice. Um, so yeah, I, I have, I have mad respect for, for youth cartel and what you guys are doing. Um, and you put out really good stuff and people need to know about it, but that is not why we're here today. Um, so obviously you and I've been talking about this. Uh, you were actually one of the early people that I, I ran this idea by. Yeah. Um, and just to get some ideas, I, sh I just shamelessly use the connection to, to, to connect with you and be like, Hey, what do you think about this idea? And you gave me a lot of really good pointers. Um, and you were so gracious to do that. And now you're here, you're going to be on the show and I'm excited about it. Yay. Um, so, um, obviously this, this show is about church hurt. A lot of time we deal with um, a specific story, like someone is coming on who's who's been through some some pain and, and wants to get that out and wants to share it. There's definitely a like a cathartic kind of healing part of the show that, that we do. Yeah. Um, but I also am, am I'm wanting to get people to come in and and speak to some of the I think the the things that cause the sorts of stories that we hear. Mm -hmm. um, and so that is kind of what you and I connected about. And so. Why don't you just go ahead and, and, and quickly share kind of what you want to share today, and then we'll just unpack that and we'll we'll talk about it. Yeah, sounds good. Um, just a little bit of context: the uh, the primary thing that the youth cartel does, we're we're also a publisher, which I shouldn't say is some minor thing, but the <laughs> the main way that I spend the majority of my time is we have this thing called the Youth Ministry Coaching Program, yeah. and I guess I would say it's kind of the I don't know maybe the oldest uh certainly i think the leading uh, coaching program in the youth ministry world there's so many of them now but a lot of people have kind of jumped on that mm -hmm. uh, bandwagon and we've we have been doing that for you know 11 years in fact it's really the first thing that i started when i was launching the youth cartel and we do our approaches uh with cohorts of 10 
youth workers that meet periodically Mm -hmm. throughout the course of a year. And the process is so much more than a learning experience. It's not really like skill training. It's much more about uh, personal and leadership transformation. Um, So we've had uh, about 600 people go through this now over the last 11 years. And, you know, every single one of those people became my friends. Um, Mm -hmm. And I was deeply involved in every one of their lives. so as a result, and, and I would say outside of that also, just youth workers reaching out to me, um, but specifically this tribe of 600 uh, coaching program graduates, you know, they when they lose a job or feel like they need to leave because they might lose a job mm-hmm. um, or whatever the hurt is from their church, they're often reaching out to me. Not always, but often. So... I mean, there, a week doesn't go by when I don't have a conversation with uh, a youth worker that's experiencing significant tension. Um, and in every cohort that I'm leading, you know, I usually have about six or eight cohorts going at any given time around the country. There's always about two of the 10 people who are in the midst of messiness and mm. Um, you know, sometimes disciplinary action or, you know, a handful of, um, kind of legacy volunteers who were there before them who are, um, creating problems and, uh, consistent in bringing criticism to the senior pastor or, you know, whatever it is. Um, and I'll say this to get to your, to the answer to your question, um, (laughs) Over the years, I probably 10 years ago, I developed a working hypothesis that in every single case that at least a, where a youth worker, and I think it's probably likely this, this extends way outside of youth ministry. It's just that that's not my arena, so I mm. had a chance to prove it out. But in every situation that a youth worker experiences Problems that uh, result in uh, dissatisfaction and or unemployment. (laughs) (laughs) Which is also Uh, dissatisfaction. (laughs) Yes, right. Um, So so if there's a tension there that exists, it is always because one of two reasons and sometimes both of them. Mm. The two reasons, and, and I will say that since I kind of thought of this hypothesis I've been watching over the last 10 years. And I would say that I have a a high degree of confidence. This is true. Mm. So reason number one is misaligned values. Um, And so whether uh, each of us have articulated a set of values for how we lead in our ministries or not, we all operate from uh, a set of values. And for Mm. many people, those are completely um, undiscerned and um, on our, in our tick, unarticulated, that'd be the right word. Um, <laughs> and, uh, and then when those end up being uh, at odds with the values of our host organization, so either the values of the church in general or those who are in leadership over us, a senior pastor, 
or a board chair or, or whatever, right? Mm-hmm. Then that creates conflict, often conflict that is uh, very difficult to have a meaningful conversation about if the values haven't been articulated. Um, because a youth worker can regularly think, but I'm doing a great job. Mm. And the church will think, but you're totally doing the wrong. No, you're not doing a good job because you're not doing these things. Right. Right. Um, so I, I think that's the, that's a big one. And then the other one is, uh, unspoken expectations. Mm -hmm. And I see this over and over again, that even sometimes when the values are aligned, um, I, there are unspoken expectations again, either of the pastor or often the church in general, um, or of the parents. That's a common one, mm. at least influential parents, uh, that are not clarified and they're not on the job description. So I had a situation, uh, it was about a year and a half ago with one of the guys in my coaching group who, uh, was in trouble at his church and he was kind of put on, um, I'm blanking on the word when somebody's on pro, 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 probation, probation. Right? Yeah. So he wondered if he was going to lose his job and he couldn't figure out what was wrong. And they ended up putting on him on probation and gave him a bunch of mandates of things that he had to address in order to mm-hmm. keep his job. Um, uh, which in the end of, course didn't work out they rarely that rarely does um yeah and it was he was he is still a great youth worker and he was like living into his true self and doing his job as he perceived they wanted it done and based on his job description this was interesting to me because he was working to the letter of the law in his job description now, mm. with this disciplinary action, they added like 10 fairly granular things that he had to deliver on. Mm-hmm. Uh, they were pragmatic things. Well, I think I probably, at least at my age at this point, I probably would have walked because they actually seemed really unreasonable. But he, uh, he went after it, and he was willing to say, I'm going to try to do the things that you have said here. And he did them, but they still let him go. Mm -hmm. And really, at the end of the day, they had all kinds of additional expectations that he wasn't meeting. I mean, that can even be things about personality or um, communication style. It's not just um, actual performance stuff, right? Uh, Right. The unspoken expectations can go the other way around, too, by the way. Mm -hmm. It can be the expectation that the youth worker has. Uh, I can't tell you how many youth workers uh, I've known who have been extremely frustrated because their senior pastor isn't mentoring them. And, um, and yeah, I mean, I guess in a lot of contexts, that would be really lovely if that happened. But um, it, it often becomes an unspoken expectation and then becomes a source of frustration that leads mm-hmm. to dissatisfaction, a lack of performance, a lack of being a team player, uh, and ends up, you know, devolving into the person needing to leave. So those two things, misaligned values and unspoken expectations, and often both of them, but sometimes just one or the other. Yeah, no, those are, those are great insights. And, um, I, I agree with both of them. 
Um, and I appreciate um, how you mentioned that they can, they kind of work, can work both ways. Um, and because I think what that does, and, and we can unpack this too, but um, it can create this cycle where if one of those was firing off, um, it typically, it can lean into the other one and cause the other one to get sure. worse. Yeah. Um, like I, I love the, the, what you said about, um, so if a, if a youth pastor has a certain expectation of their senior pastor and that's not getting done because it hasn't been communicated and it was just kind of assumed, um, how that can cause poor performance in that, in that youth pastor, which then unlocks all these other issues. Right. Right. Um, and so I, I think that's an important thing because there's a lot, we talk about a lot of wrong from church leadership on my show um, because that's kind of the the main bent. But one of the things that I, I hope that I'm clear on with other with people is, you know, we all are like just like our churches are, are, are led by messed up people like we're messed up people, too. And so we can not I don't want to say we cause because I don't want to ever make this sound like it's like victim blaming, but. Some of the, sometimes the things that are happening. A better word is contribute. Yeah, there you go. That that is a better word. That's a better word for sure. Um, and and in and in that case, because I lived that, and that's why I'm kind of saying it from a place of like this. This is that was literally what happened to me. Um, was yeah, there was so much going wrong on a leadership level, but like I was definitely no saint in all of it. And the two of those things together created a toxicity that eventually, like, we just had to end. Yeah. Um, for really, I mean, if I could, if I were to just unpack that, I mean, there's so many of those, just those two things, so many of my issues with my former church came down to those two things really. Right. Yeah. Um, so I, I do, I do think you're on to something. I know, you know, you, I know you know that, but along um, our lines of what you just said, Josh is when I, when I have a youth worker that I'm coaching, who's going through a difficult departure, they, they, uh, might be able to acknowledge I didn't do everything perfectly, but you know, often, and this is totally human and normal and understandable. Often the feeling is the fault is a hundred percent on the other side. Yeah. My encouragement to them is always, and my phrase I use is what's your 10% contribution. Let mm-hmm. it, let us assume that the fault is dominantly on the other side. That's fine. But, what did you contribute that made this uh, worse, right? Mm. So um, can I give you a little case study from my own life? Yeah, absolutely. I would love that. So uh, 28 years ago, I think it was. Were you even born yet, Josh? I don't know how old you are. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm 31, so I, I was. You were a baby. Um, I was out of a baby. <laughs> Your marriage uh, is older than me is the point I'm trying to make. Here. Got it. Yes. Uh, <laughs> at least we think it is if I'm doing the math right. Um, yeah, right. <laughs> exactly. Um, uh, I think it was 28 years ago. I got fired from a church uh, mm-hmm. in, in the middle of the country. Um, I won't name it. But um, uh, sidebar, uh, I hadn't been back there uh, since and I had rarely had the opportunity, despite all my travel, to even excuse me, be in that city. But that church brought me back uh, early this year in January mm-hmm. to do a weekend of speaking and training. Uh, it was really trippy and very redemptive. Yeah, that's awesome. But 
sorry, I swallowed something wrong. Um, the, <clears throat> I was the junior high pastor. I was there three years. I was the first junior high pastor they'd had. It was a good sized church, but they were just stepping into having a full-time junior high person. And man, everything went by, by all this, you know, common metrics, everything went amazingly well. Mm. And it was one of the few times when I was only that, like I didn't have other responsibilities. You mean the um, other duties as assigned by the pastor? No, I mean, I didn't have additional job titles also. Right. Okay. So, um, like I wasn't also the student ministries pastor or something. Right. I got you. Uh, and my wife and I didn't have kids and my wife had a full-time job too. So I was just able to really pour myself into it. And, you know, I mean, we doubled the size of the ministry. We added some amazing events that had great attendance. We launched a, a massively robust missions program where we were taking three different mission trips every year with our junior hires, um, including like by the last year, taking like 60 junior hires driving down to Mexico for a trip. And I mean, there were so many good things happening. We had an amazing student ministry team. Uh, I mean, student leadership team uh, and a great volunteer team. And I just got shocked, just like out of the, felt out of the blue when, well, I got called into a meeting with some of the church's elders and the senior pastors where they basically laid some accusations at me, which hmm. I'll, I'll come back to in a second. And then, um, uh, and then that was right at the end of December. Um, I had a huge New Year's Eve all-nighter event happening with you know, hundreds and hundreds of kids. So I kind of put, sorry for the jet overhead. <laughs> I, I kind of put the uh, accusations out of, out of mind because I had to focus on my event. Um, that went really well. And then on January 2nd, they called me back in and, and terminated me. Um, wow. You know, and it was one of those, uh, we need you to resign. Um, of course. And they actually said, you know, you can't, meet with your uh kids or your volunteers uh you need to clean out your office by tonight we really care about you so we're going to pay you for two weeks <laughs> <laughs> but um and it was it wasn't only hurtful that it was a surprise it was hurtful that like one of the two elders who was kind of spearheading it he said in that meeting uh, I, I don't think I'll remember all of them, but he said there were six character traits he saw in me that made it so he couldn't continue to have me on the church staff. They mm. said I was a liar. They said I was manipulative. I was insubordinate. Um, and I don't remember the other three. Um, and I could have named them for 10 years uh, for sure. Right. And it was deeply wounding. Um, yeah. And, uh, so the specific accusation that brought this up, the situation, mm -hmm. and I'll just try to, it, I, I could make it a longer story, but that it doesn't have value uh, for our point here. When they hired me, they, re this is so, it feels so archaic to me. I can't imagine this today for myself, but they, they really preferred that my wife not work. And um, at the mm -hmm. time, my wife and I didn't mind that idea. We would never tolerate that now, but, um, 
And, uh, but we couldn't afford to have her not work because we had a bunch of college debt. And so they gave me permission. This is crazy, right? They gave me permission to have my wife work uh, so that we could pay down our college debt. And the general agreement was that was, that, that was the point of her income. And right. the next three years, we made major progress on our college debt um, at an exceedingly increased rate. But then I bought a new car. I bought a Jeep. Right. And that's what they called me in on. They said, first of all, it was an irresponsible vehicle. <laughs> <laughs> and, they all, and they also said that I was violating my agreement with them because I was using my wife's uh, income to increase my standard of living and said that I had agreed that every penny of her salary after taxes would go to debt, which mm. th this is where it gets to what we're talking about. That was their expectation. It was not an expectation I had, and I, I was confident and expressed to them at, at the time that they had never said that. They had right. only indicated that her job was uh, to, in order to pay down debt, debt at an accelerated rate, which we were doing. Right. They were confident they had said that. Uh, the irony was the guy who was so confident he had said that to me was actually out of town when I got hired. So there was not even really an opportunity for him to have, said <laughs> to, it. to have done that. Um, so they had uh, an, uh, what they thought was a spoken expectation that was absolutely unspoken, but they'd been living with it for three years. I had a very different expectation and yep. I had been living with my set of expectations and suddenly those clashed right now yeah. they made those, they made those accusations. I was gone. That was the end. I, uh, you know, it was easy for me immediately. And even to this day, easy for me to say they were wrong. Um, and, uh, and just kind of, you know, brush my hands off. But I also, I feel like I intuitively know, knew at that point, I was, I was still fairly young. I was about 30, um, mm -hmm. that getting fired from a church was not going to be good on my resume. Right. <laughs> and I thought I've got to figure out if these, I don't think these accusations are true, but I've got to figure out if, if there's any truth to them. Mm -hmm. And so I invited three guys that I really trusted who also happened to be elders at that church mm. to meet with me and probe me, <laughs> <laughs> uh, to meet with me and, and dig into the actual accusations and find if there was validity to them. Right. Because I knew I needed to consider what was my contribution? What was my 10%? Right. Mm -hmm. and I needed someone other than myself and my wife to tell me, yes, you are still qualified for ministry. Yeah. Right? Um, so, yeah, I, that was an example of misaligned expectations or unspoken expectations. Yeah. yeah. No. Yeah, absolutely. That's Whereas yeah. I would say that my my um, very bumpy departure from you specialties, which was really my departure from Zondervan, they were our our corporate mm -hmm. overlords at the time 
So it was the CEO of Zondervan who made that decision. That was not about expectations. That was, a, she was very clear about expectations. That was about misaligned values mm. because um, she only was interested in us being a profit machine. And none of us who worked at you specialties were very interested in profit. We were only <laughs> interested in caring for youth workers and sure. doing cool things and I and having fun and, you know, enjoying right. our work. And that was a massive misalignment mm. with them. It would have worked if our values also resulted in profit that met <laughs> their values. Right? right. Then both sets of values, even though they were misaligned, both of them could get fulfilled. It's when the values end up in conflict with one another that the problem comes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I want to, I want to go, I want to pull back a second. I'm going to come back to that one too, because I want to talk yeah. about both of these. Um, so the, the expectations thing, um, I fully, I fully live that. So I feel that one a lot. Um, and even the values one too. But, um, you know, at one point in a church that I worked at, was communicated to me really early on. Hey, you're a youth pastor, but I, w- I was almost literally like called into the pastor's office, and it was like a um, kind of a Lion King moment of like someday all this will be yours, right? Like, um, and you know, that, I, I know a lot of youth pastors that have that moment, um, sure. and so that's that is what I worked. I, I worked with that in mind. So anytime something came up in the church that like I wasn't super into. Um, I was often pretty, um, straightforward with like, no, I don't agree with that. I think we should go this way. Cause my brain was going in the, like one day I'll be in charge. And uh, so if I don't, yeah. if I don't communicate from a leadership standpoint where I think we should go, then I'm not, I'm not doing myself any favors when that pastor stepped down, um, and a new, a new executive pastor came in, they were not told that that conversation had ever happened. And so what to me was me trying to exhibit like this is the kind of pastor I want to be for this church looked like insubordination to this other person. Yeah. Um, Yeah. And and that's one of those things that you talk about not knowing until later exactly how much of a part you play. That part is the most is the newest revelation in the in the story that is me healing from all of that, because for the first significant chunk of that time i was in the boat like a lot of people were like i didn't do anything wrong they just it just just totally blindsided me and like technically it did but that being blindsided now like i have the hindsight now to go back and see see was where some things were happening that i didn't even know that's that's what was happening and it was just because that expectation i had of one day i'm gonna be in charge was never it was never shared with this executive pastor. They never thought that was anywhere my head was at. Uh, they just assumed I was just some uppity. Right. Um, at the time, I wasn't a youth pastor anymore. I was the teaching pastor of the church by then. But even then, um, they they didn't have any idea that I had any any aspiration that that would be a thing that I would do in the future. Right. Um, yeah. Right. Here's a super common one, Josh. Because uh, yeah. a lot of times there's kind of archetypes of these. Um and uh, I would say the example you just gave is maybe a more minor archetype, but a very common one is yeah. search committee or pastor hires the youth pastor, youth worker saying, 
We just want somebody who loves kids and wants to hang out with them. Uh, and youth worker is like, that's me, man. I love teenagers. I can't wait to hang out. I mean, I meet some of the kids in your church and I think I love kids. Right. And then a year later, there's conflict and youth worker finds out it's because they're not spending enough time in the office. They're not doing Mm -hmm. all right. And, uh, and that is, you know, reveals the fact that they're, they're actually very different set of expectation than those that were verbalized. Yeah. 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 And I think too, um, that even, even on a values level, um, so this is something, um, our friend, our friend Tosh talks a lot about is, is values in, in, in companies and, and, um, you, they say we want a, a guy who or well, let's be honest. Most of the time they do say we want a guy, um, who wants to hang out with students and love on students and then fast forward. And they're like, where, where the heck have you been? Um, but there is, uh, I think, so Tosh described it this way to me one time that um, a lot of times people um, want to hire a youth pastor that is young and, um, you know, sporty and athletic and the, what, how did she word it? The guys want to be him and the girls want to be with him, which is disgusting. But I know, what she means um because it's it's this um uniform so to speak that they think youth pastors should fit in and so they'll say all sorts of things but what they mean is we want that and if they don't get that the thing that they're saying they want and the thing that they actually ended up getting aren't connecting and people and they're confused they're confused the person in this in the role is confused because I thought you said you wanted me to hang out with kids. That's what I'm doing. I'm, you know, I'm, yeah. I'm building relationships with kids. Yeah. But that's, I, would that's say, sure. I probably want to poke just a tiny bit at that. Um, sure. Go ahead. Assumption. Um, nothing again. I'm not disagreeing with Tosh per se. I do think that's particularly true in New Zealand. Uh, mm-hmm. from, um, where uh, youth ministry is not, as gentrified as it is in the U.S. <laughs> um, so when I like when I spend time with youth workers there, they're they're uh, the average there is much younger, um, mm-hmm. and it's really in most cases a very temporary role before moving into something else, which yeah. used to be the case here and is still the case here in some pockets, but things have changed quite a bit. I do find a lot of times these days when churches have had a little experience with youth pastors. They're often looking for somebody not who is that good looking young guy. Yeah. Um, they're looking for somebody who, and often this is true with the expectations of parents. Um, they want somebody who's a great programmer. So yeah. it's not about being cool anymore. It's about yes. running awesome programs that'll keep our kids busy. Yeah. Um, so they become, um, you know, nice and don't do drugs or have sex. <laughs> yeah. Um, this, this may be anecdotal, but I think you're right. Um, but my experience has been that that sort of shift happens more often when they wind up with one that was too young and not what they thought they wanted. Then they realize, okay, no, what we really want. Cause like I'm in one of those positions where, um, the guy before me was like super, super young. Um, they kind of want, they, their expectation of him was, um, 
veteran youth worker and he was fresh out of college. And so of course that's not what they got. Um, and so the expectations that he had, the expectations what they had, they didn't align and it it got really nasty. So then the next hire, um, which was me, the the conversation was, we want someone a little bit older who's got some experience under their belt. So like the whole, the whole thing shifted. And I think it came out of, you know, the previous one falling apart. Do you see, do you see that happen in other churches? I definitely see uh, churches do pendulum swings in their hire. They often are yeah. hired in reaction to what they didn't like. Mm. They're, they're almost, let me say this, this is an oversimplification. They're either, they either had problems with the last person. So they hire in reaction to that mm-hmm. or they love the last one. And so they try or try to hire what they perceive is that same secret sauce. So <clears throat> I think I would say just rather than, um, you know, having uh, a young relational uh, person as a youth worker who then they hire in reaction to more common mm-hmm. is they, be, because in our approach to youth ministry for so many decades now, we've, we've you know, been in this, um, this blind assumption that programs are what change lives, that the right programs change lives. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and so, uh, for so many years now, that's been the norm. So I find often, more often what's happening is churches are hiring a youth worker who will be a good programmer because they're, they've got this whole set of expectations about what good youth ministry is. Yeah. Right. So youth worker comes in, if a youth worker comes in and say, man, I just want to see teenagers fall radically in love with Jesus and have their lives completely disoriented. I want to see, you know, it divide families and I want to see it bring justice in the world. And, you know, that, that person's not going to get hired. Right. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's, it's funny you mentioned pockets because I, maybe I live in one. Um, I know, not maybe I know I live in one. (laughs) I'm in the very rural South. Um, but I, I I hear a lot of youth ministry conversations that feel um, very much still towards that programming bent. Sure. Um, and so I wonder if maybe you know some of my my things that I'm bringing to the, to the table here are, are really more of a uh, an understanding of actually like the, the place that I'm currently serving. So that's interesting. The insight that kind of that's not everybody's case, which is sort of the point. Like like one of the things that is really I think is good about this show and, and good about having people on from totally different backgrounds and churches and, and places in the country is that like, there's so much similar, but there's also differences and we have to own those and you have to, um, you have to be able to understand those in your context. And so I think that's why that's such a good conversation to have about communicating expectations and values because they are unique, right? Like, I mean, all churches want the same thing, right? But they don't, and but like they do, and so you have to come into a into a situation, especially with a hire, or like when you're coming on at a church, where you can clearly communicate that stuff. And I don't think I really knew that, because um, I think when I first came into youth ministry, I just I wanted a job and I wanted a, I wanted a youth ministry job. And so I mean, honestly, I'd have done any I'd have said anything you wanted me to say. I would have, you know, whatever church could give me a job. I got, um, you know, I worked a summer, like a, a summer internship with like a parachurch organization and it was awesome. Yeah. And I came back to college and I'm like, I want to do youth ministry. 
And so I was going to do that wherever. I mean, I literally any church that I could find that would take me like it, that's what it was. If I'm being, you know, hundred percent honest Sure. now, fast forward. And I was in a position to go interview for a couple of different jobs after my, the last church. And I came in, I feel like I asked pretty difficult questions to churches. It, well, and maybe they weren't, but in, in the world of church that I'm in, they, they were probably viewed as aggressive. Um, but it was necessary for me because I needed to make sure that the same values problem and expectation problem that I just walked out of wasn't what I was walking into in the next church. Um, and so I think it's important to know how to ask those questions. So that was my segue yeah. into how do we ask those questions? Yes, yeah, yeah, very good. There's two places. There's two times when you really, really, really need to be asking these questions. And then they're topics that should be a part of normal dialogue. You know, I mean, it's just totally the kinds of <coughs> topics you should be asking questions about if you have an annual review, you know, those kinds of things. Anytime, you know, if a youth worker sits down with a parent for a cup of coffee to get to know each other, it'd be good to ask questions that would get at values and expectations, particularly mm-hmm. with parents, I'd say it's about expectations. Um, but the two most important times are when there's already tension, mm-hmm. right? in the midst of tension, uh, if you want to be proactive, then you have to be uh, asking questions to both actively discern, is this a values misalignment or is this uh, about unspoken expectations or both? Um, And of course, the other time that, man, youth workers, all of us really, we need to get better at this is during the job interview. Right. Uh, And, uh, you know, I mean, it's not that you are, we all need to be skeptical, but we just need to assume I, I have all kinds of hidden agendas and this church hiring me, whatever they've put down on paper uh, as the job description is not necessarily what they really want. Um, it'd be rare if it was, right? And they're trying to put on a best face for me. Mm-hmm. And if they like me, if there's any kind of initial relational connection, then there's uh, some kind of a spin involved. Um, so to be Digging in uh, with questions about, you know, what are the values that this church or this ministry has that are not stated somewhere else? What are the things that are really important here? Mm -hmm. Uh, Or to say, what uh, a a great uh, uh, expectations question is to ask about uh, measurements of success. So to say, how do you think you could ask like parents? How do you think the senior pastor of this church or the elder board or whatever it is, right? SPRC in a Methodist church session. Mm-hmm. A church. How do you think they would measure success in this ministry? Right. Uh, how do you think the parents would measure success? What do you think? What, are, what about the students? What do they think success looks like? Right. So that starts to get at expectations. Um, in um, uh, kind of a, a polite but subversive way. Right. So yeah. I, yeah, During the interview, I would load up my questions for them on questions about values and expectations. And then when there is tension, really the first task in many ways for uh, the, the person, you know, is there's kind of two pieces of discernment that maybe three pieces of discernment that need to take place 
as quickly as possible. One is, um, to what extent is this my fault or not? And it's not mm -hmm. about finding a percentage, but it's like, uh, is the majority on the other side or am I majority at fault? I need to be honest about that first. Right. Right. Uh, and then the second one is, can I stay or do I need to go? Um, you know, I see a lot of youth workers who try to make it work because they need employment. Right. Uh, and, mm -hmm. and often if, especially if they're married or have kids, moving's a, a hassle and it's interruptive for so many lives. Right. So they try to make it work when the writing's on the wall and it's not going to work. Uh, and it's better to leave, even if that's a little bit painful than to stay and be destructive for another year or two. Uh, mm -hmm. And then the third question at that initial part is, is this primarily a misaligned values issue or primarily a, an unspoken expectations issue, or maybe is it both? Then mm -hmm. you can start to choose a course of action. Because if you right. want to be proactive and find if there is a resolve to it, then you're figuring out if this is like, say, about unspoken expectations, who's are those and mm -hmm. how might I address those? Right. Uh, right. If I can get them verbalized. Then I can consider, am I willing to try to meet those or do I believe that they're unreasonable and I can't and I mm -hmm. need to be, Right. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's important too, that, you know, when you're talking about values, I feel like you got to understand if, if, if churches are doing values right, then they've decided that this is what's important to us. And so this is, they're probably not going to want to budge on that. And so if it comes down to it and it's a values issue, I think that probably, at least in my mind, would be more of a reason to have to be like, okay, this isn't, this isn't going to work. Not that you can't, not that churches can't change values. I think they can, but, um, yeah, I think ebb and flow over the years but let me give you a little some definitions maybe would be helpful yeah um this is something we teach in our coaching program mission is the answer to the question why do we exist and that normally doesn't change yeah. unless there's some just massive upheaval like i don't mean just a new pastor but more like uh you know almost a reboot of a sure. church right then uh, coming out of that is values and the, uh, that definition or the answer, it's the answer to the question, uh, what are we called to embody in this season? And I find mm -hmm. that those are, they have an ebb and flow to them. Like we might have seven values we're trying to lean into for now, but five years from now, we might see that only five of those remain and two need to be, yeah. right? And then coming yeah. out of values is strategy, which is, how will we embody the values and then goals, which is just the action plan. Yeah, no, that's good. Those definitions help. And I think the kind of, the, cause obviously it, it existed with me too, but I think there are churches um, that would maybe, so the, the things we call things matter. And I think sometimes churches say things like, Oh, these are our values. And what they really mean is this is our mission. Right. Um, and yeah, so what I find is what they call, their values, and I see this on church websites all the time, is really their uh, belief about it's their theology about why the church exists. So yeah. this mission, it's kind of like an ecclesiology, right? A church will say our values are fellowship, discipleship, worship, uh, yeah. uh, evangelism, right? And I'm like, yeah, that's what all churches are supposed to be. That's an ecclesiology. Yeah. 
That is not the same thing as you collaboratively discerning a set of values for this chapter of your ministry lives together. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. No, I think that's great. And, and I hope that, um, you know, one of the, one of the hopeful audiences of this podcast is people that are in the positions, um, that are making these decisions can hear that and go, Oh, that's the reason that staffing situation went so far south is because we had a part to own in that because we didn't have that on lockdown yet. Um, and so I hope that people, I hope that churches are listening and hear what you're saying. Um, because just like I want, um, church workers to be able to look back and go, okay, okay, here was my percentage in that problem. Um, I want churches to look at themselves just as hard, um, to be able to go, okay, like where did we go wrong in that situation? Is there a part of that? What is our percentage of it? Right? Like, I think that's, and I think part of that and understand part of understanding this could help a church get to a point where they're like, Oh crap. Like we didn't even realize, but yeah, that was confusing or yeah, we did expect that out of that person, but we never really communicated it. Yeah. Um, Or, Oh yeah, we thought this was really important to us, but what we really meant was that that's important to us. And I think that would, that would, it's not going to fix it because like, again, broken people. Right. But it would put us in a better place to understand one another. And I think, cut some of those what have what become you know the topics of other episodes of this podcast um from happening the way they, they go down i think i hope yeah yeah good hope you you hope um well i know i know you said you had somewhere to be man i cannot thank you enough for coming and hanging out i um i've had the pleasure of being in and around some interviews with you like um at stuff you can use i was in the background of a whole interview and you're always fun to listen to um you got a lot of insight and uh, i just want to thank you for coming and, and being a part of what we're doing here thanks josh yeah man um you already told people i think but tell people where they can find you and then we'll, we'll get out of here i'm pretty easy to find uh i mean the youth cartel.com is the website and uh I think it's Marco's beard on. That sounds right. Twitter, yeah. So that sounds right. Yeah, I'm all those. I'm all those. I'm easy. I'm easy to yeah. find. Any yep. and you're around on different youth pastor groups, and um, so I mean, you're yep. a cool dude, and you're out there. You're out there doing doing work. Goal <laughs> in life to be a cool dude. Thank you. That's hey, look. I I mean, look. Uh, you're one of the few people that I come in. I brush into often in, in youth ministry world who, whose beard is better than mine. And so I just, I gotta, you gotta give credit where it's due. And <laughs> thank you. My claim to fame. Oh man, dude, this has been awesome. Thank you so much. And guys, I, I'll see you next time. Uh-huh. Bye. guys for listening hopefully you enjoyed this episode if you did please be sure to leave us a rating and a review that helps us climb up those ranks if you want to contact us with your story of church hurts you can reach out to us at whenchurchhurtsus at gmail.com 
Or if you're on the Anchor app, you can actually go and leave a voice memo and we will be able to listen to that on the show and talk about it on the show. So if that's something you would like to do to retain your anonymity, you can totally do that. We want this to be as safe a place uh, for everyone to be able to share their stories and, uh, and be able to heal from it. So thank you guys so much and we'll see you next time.